0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Psychomantium, written by Ben Arrington, narrated by Ian McEwan. Two years ago, Adrian had taken his younger brother Max on a fishing trip. The pair of them would make the bonding session an event that happened once or twice a year, but as Max was getting older, approaching 11 at the time, the boy had made it clear that his interest in fishing was growing, and he had insisted that the two of them did it more regularly. This had pleased Adrian, who at almost 15 years Max's senior, often found it difficult to find much in common with his sibling. Adrian had taken a boat that was owned by his uncle, who didn't mind his nephews using it, just a couple of miles off the coast to a spot where they'd been particularly successful with catches. The vessel was small, but Adrian had plenty of experience being on the water, often on his own. The sky was dark, and it had been raining on and off, but the water wasn't particularly choppy. It certainly wasn't a perfect day to fish by any means, the conditions not ideal, yet fine for the several hours Adrian wanted to spend on the water. Plus, he couldn't stand to see the look on Max's face that would no doubt appear if he told them they'd need to postpone. Max had been sitting and preparing some bait while Adrian steadied the boat, one hand on the wheel and the other holding a half-empty can of beer, the only alcoholic beverage he would drink during the trip the act of which had become something of a tradition. For a brief moment, Adrian lost control of the boat. The rear swung out slightly and the motor juddered, a deep growl of thunder sounding out in tandem. He dropped the beer onto the floor and took hold of the wheel with both hands. When he looked back to check that Max was okay, the boy was gone. He shut off the engine and walked over to where Max had been, half expecting to see him hiding behind the bait box or even emerge from within it. The box was large, and Max's slight frame could easily contort to fit inside. Adrian even opened the box to be greeted with the sight of various wriggling larvae separated into plastic compartments, but no Max. Adrian leaned over the edge of the boat and looked into the water, which looked almost entirely black. He called out for his brother over and over again, frantically looking around for the boy. He took hold of and threw the rescue ring into the sea, watching it rise and fall with the ever-increasing roughness of the waves. He kept shouting until his voice was hoarse, and eventually decided to take off his shoes and dive into the ocean, submerging himself below the water time and time again, hoping to see something, anything, that could lead him to his brother." the white and red of his striped T-shirt, or the fair glow of his blonde hair. He stayed in the water for a good ten minutes, swimming around until his limbs couldn't propel him along anymore, before returning to the boat. He started it with soaking hands and began looping the vessel around the spot where Max had fallen in. He stopped the boat and returned to the edge dozens of times, looking down into the depths with wide, fearful eyes. The water seemed darker with each passing minute, as if it was slowly turning to oil. All he could see staring back at him from the sea was his own gaunt reflection. Adrian's chest was tight, and he started to cry, although he knew that he needed to stay strong if he was going to find his brother. There was a nagging thought that tugged at him, like Max would when he was much younger and wanted to get his brother's attention. Perhaps it was already too late. Adrian had left his phone at his uncle's place and couldn't call the Coast Guard, so he had to return to shore and find a phone at a cafe. He explained what had happened and how long he had been out on the water since Max had been taken by the icy grip of the unforgiving ocean. The search and rescue team was on the scene within 15 minutes. The boats and helicopters searched for Max for almost a week, but didn't find him. Adrian lost hope quickly and began to long for the day that he'd receive a phone call to tell him that Max's body had washed up somewhere, but it never came. When the search was called off, Adrian cried for a solid six hours. Time slowed and sped up as Adrian was consumed by grief, and this soon manifested itself as terrible guilt. Even after months of therapy, during which he kept himself away from the rest of his family, unable to face them for feeling entirely responsible for Max's disappearance, Adrian couldn't bring himself to accept that his brother was gone. He spent night after night scouring the internet for any stories that involved similar events around the same coastline and beyond, but he couldn't find a solitary story that eased his pain. He walked around the streets of his hometown aimlessly, hoping for a glimpse of Max's blonde hair from afar, the kids somehow re-emerging from the black hole which he had fallen into. Adrian didn't believe that his brother's bloated body was somewhere in the murky depths, fish nibbling at his eyelids, his skin disintegrating like paper. He thought that the boy had crossed over into another realm, plucked from reality by the interfering fingers of a powerful being that existed on another plane of consciousness. It was the fact that he hadn't seen him fall from the boat that ate away at Adrian so much a thought burrowing deep into his brain like a flesh-hungry, carnivorous worm. He found it hard to sleep, and even harder to eat, the weight dropping off his body. He began to spend a lot of time at the local library, examining years of newspaper records to find any information on people lost at sea. When he couldn't find anything, he started to look further afield, in books about conspiracy theories, adventure stories about shipwrecks and perfect storms. He read about mythology, gods of the sea, monsters that lurked beneath, and soon crossed over into reading about life after death. Ghost stories, the afterlife, and ways of communicating with those who have passed on. Ouija boards, seances, and something that he began to obsess over, a psychomantium. A psychomantium was a small enclosed area with dim lighting, a single low wattage bulb or candle, and a series of mirrors angled so as not to reflect anything but darkness. It was inspired by ancient techniques used at the Oracle of the Dead, the Necromanteion, a temple of necromancy devoted to Hades and Persephone in Ephira, Greece. It was intended to communicate with spirits of the deceased. Adrian studied this practice intently until he felt intrigued enough to trial the idea. He wasn’t particularly superstitious and had always kept an open mind with regards to all things supernatural, But something was drawing him to the Psychomantium. After falling out of contact with his uncle, Adrian used most of his savings and a small amount of inheritance he had received after the death of his grandfather to buy a boat. It was similar in size to the fishing boat, but had a lower deck. He accumulated a vast amount of different-sized mirrors from various home furnishing stores and filled the narrow room within the boat, covering every wall with reflective glass. After a couple of weeks, Adrian took the boat onto the water when he was convinced that the weather was clear enough. He approached the area where Max had disappeared and brought the boat to a stop. Below deck, He locked himself in and chained the door. Adrian blew out the candle that he had lit back at the shore, the steady flame used to settle the ambiance within the psychomantium. The boat began to rock, the waves upon which it sat swaying and swelling underneath. The mirrors shifted slightly, despite Adrian's best attempts to nail them to the wall. Delicate silver light with beams so fine they looked like spider silk bounced around the room, creating a strange mosaic around Adrian's head as he sat on a chair in the middle of the room. Tiny flecks of dust jumped from beam to beam like the minuscule trapeze artists of a flea circus. As the boat settled, the mirrors returned to their motionless position. Adrian took a long breath in and closed his eyes. He sat in total silence, his body unmoving but for the prickling of hairs on his arms. His breathing was quiet and shallow. Every sound around him soon began to fade into the background. The sea, the gentle clink of mirror frames. It wasn't long before he could hear nothing... And then he felt it was the right time to open his eyes. When he did, there was nothing but darkness, total pitch black within which every fragment of light had been sucked into. And then he spoke. Max. His voice cracked, barely audible. Max. Louder this time, he was sure that he could hear it echo somewhere, as if he were speaking into a well. He waited, but he wasn't sure what for. Max, 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 if you you can hear me, say something. Adrian waited again, and the silence grew overwhelming. It's Adrian. I need to know that you're okay. He wasn't sure what the words meant, and when they were uttered, he started to feel ridiculous, as if this attempt to communicate with his brother was nothing more than a pathetic excuse to find a purpose. Then, Adrian saw something. No more than six feet in front of his face, surely within the blackness of one of the mirrors, was a tiny sphere of light. At least, that's what it looked like. It was so small that it was difficult to make out. Adrian squinted and leaned forwards, watching with curiosity as the sphere began to enlarge. He soon noticed that it wasn't a sphere at all, but an entirely different shape. It looked as though it was changing, or perhaps spinning perfectly on the spot as it grew. Adrian's pupils dilated. The shape was large enough to identify now. It was a head, with tousled blonde hair. The skin was pale and blotched with grey. Its eyes had been scooped out, and now gaping holes were present, dozens of wriggling insects spilling out of them. It had no lips, a crooked mouth oozing with inky liquid. Its neck had been torn from its shoulders, sagging wet hunks of flesh hanging from beneath its chin like A skirt of gore. Max? It couldn't be. Or at least, it wasn't. Not as Adrian had remembered him. This was a cruel joke played by a nefarious force. A spotlight shone from afar upon Max's long-dead and decomposing corpse, the mirror acting as an unholy crystal ball. The boy's head stopped spinning as his mouth started to slowly fall open. Black, frothy liquid began to spill out, and something else. The probing claws of a crustacean began to push out from between Max's jaws. Adrian could hear a high-pitched squeal as if the creature was in agony, the rest of its body crushed and chewed up by his brother's teeth. He screwed his eyes closed for a second, hoping for the sinister visual to disappear, nothing more than an apparition created by his mind. But when he opened them again, it was closer still, as if it had broken free of the confines of the mirror. The crustacean was opening the boy's mouth wider, and Adrian could see glowing eyes from within. He felt as if the creature was looking deep into his consciousness and taunting him, knowing that he wanted answers, but that he'd never get them. Not here, in this pocket of otherworld upon the sea. Adrian was seeing something that no human eyes, of the living at least, should be seeing. Max had met his end and had no doubt seen evil, something Adrian couldn't comprehend, somewhere in the fathoms of the gloom. Adrian screamed loud, his voice pushing the ghost of Max back into the mirror much faster than it had emerged. The beams of light returned to the room, a tapestry that flashed with white, and subsequently began to fracture the glass of each mirror that made up the room. With a crack of thunder that accompanied it, the mirrors exploded into plumes of glass, their frames shattering and clattering onto the floor. Adrian fell backwards from the chair and hit his head hard with a thud. Dizzied, Adrian stood up, using his hands that had been cut by slithers of glass at his feet for leverage. The boat began to spin like a waltzer at a fairground, and Adrian stumbled around like a drunk, crashing into broken mirror and crying out as his skin lacerated with every movement, the waves throwing the boat around more violently with every second. He struggled with the chain on the door, desperately trying to unlock it in the low light. When he finally managed to escape, the sky was black and rain was coming down furiously. The boat had taken on water and was being thrown around by the waves like a helpless animal being tormented by a toddler. Lightning spread across the sky every few seconds, electric blue dazzling Adrian's eyes as he moved towards the back of the boat. The vessel tilted, almost onto its side, as Adrian took hold of a guardrail, the cold rain thumping into his face. He watched in terror as a massive whirlpool began to emerge, a maelstrom of enormous size with a profound black void at its center. At the bottom, there was something moving frenziedly, but Adrian couldn't remain still enough to see exactly what it was. For a second... He thought it looked like hundreds of limbs climbing and pulling and reaching up towards the boat. The whirlpool slowed, and Adrian thought the nightmare was over. But another boom of thunder seemed to signal the ocean vortex, and it dragged the boat, with Adrian clinging on for dear life, into the water like an insect down into a plug hole. The sea, closing around the vessel, as quickly as it had opened up. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the other stories. Psychomantium was written by Ben Errington. Narrated by Ian McEwan Edited by Carl Hughes and Music by Standing Wave And Tom Robson Hey, do you want a free book? Because we've been running a show for a year and a half now And we are collecting the first year of stories into one hefty volume And we're giving away a signed copy for free the volume collects over 50 short stories featuring eternal classics, behind-the-scenes extras, and some bonus stories not featured on the podcast. To be with a chance to win, head over to hawkandcleaver.com and sign up to the mailing list now. Until next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?